This is Working the Beat. It is Tuesday, July 21st, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney, along with Mike Kern. Glad you could join us here on the show. Jam-packed show. Uh, let's start with the disclaimer that um, we were supposed to have Spike Eskin on. Spike had a little bit of a uh, family um, event going on, so he... Uh, Will join us at a later date, but we think we got two great guests to join us. It is uh, Rob Motti from the Associated Press and 97.5 The Fanatic. He'll join us to talk about the NFL. He was the one who broke the story yesterday about the NFL eliminating preseason games. Obviously, the league's still trying to get its collective bargaining agreement set, so we will talk to him in our first segment. Our second segment, we'll bring back uh, Mr. Kern's good friend, uh, Dick Girardi, on uh, to talk uh, college sports and the NBA bubble as the NBA returns this week. And Mr. Kern, we have sports back this week. You know, I got to be honest with you, Kevin. I watched like a little bit of fight. I know it's only exhibition. I never care about exhibition or anything anyway. I'm just not so sure how excited I am. Um, I mean, it's better than not having them. I, I, I get all that. But it's going to be so different. And that I'm just not sure how much – I mean, look, if the Phillies win 10 at their first 15, yeah, we'll all be, okay, you know, let's go Phillies. Um, or the Sixers look good when they start, or the Flyers, obviously who were playing good when this whole thing happened. But I, I just don't know. I'm really kind of – you know, I haven't watched a lot of golf. You know, golf's been back for, you know, five weeks now or whatever it's been. And I've watched very little of it. I understand. And, and it surprises me because I thought I well, would be, but I was out golfing Sunday and and I didn't, you know, maybe because John Rahm was winning by six or so. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe when the PGA comes up in three weeks. Um, but it's just, it's, it's so different watching it without fans. I, that, that Phillies game last night just looked like, you know, we were over at Rambler Park in Northeast Philly watching a pickup game. Yeah, but Mike, I'll say the one thing about it is at least it's a distraction. I think that the one thing we've all looked for is a distraction of some sort that we can watch that that's Oh, it's new. more than a distraction, Kevin. It's for, for a lot of people, it's like a lifeline. Right. Um, I get that. Trust me. I, I don't I'm not trying to minimize it in and, any and way. I, and I understand what you're saying. The lack of fans is distracting. Yeah. Um it's all going to depend how your teams play. Yeah. Like if the Phillies are a 500 team this year and don't make it's the playoffs. It's not going to change anything. It, no. If they're, if they're good, uh, same with the – I mean, obviously nobody knows – like, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen with the Sixers. They weren't playing well, but it's like they get a brand-new lease on life. I'm not overly excited that they're going to be able to do something special, but they could. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know – the Flyers obviously were playing really well. Um, how they're going to come back from the break. Who knows? I, I think I might actually be more interested in the Flyers and the Sixers than the Phillies well, because I, I, I think saw that, 65 games. I think that's a legitimate point. And, and obviously one of the other things, and we're going to talk to Rob about this in a minute, you know, the NFL going to camp next uh, – well, rookies are at camp this week. Then next week the, they will have full teams in. Quarterbacks are in on Thursday, I think he said, um, when we taped our interview with him. It, it, it's it just feels like at least it's a little bit of a rebirth and obviously with all the depressing news going on sure. it's just that idea that okay you're not going back to normal but you're going back to something closer to normal and I, you're you're 155 percent right kevin there, there's no 
doubt in my 155%. mind. 155%. You're 265. <laughs> it's like going to restaurants. You know, we were all excited that we were going to go to restaurants, and now we're kind of not going. Um, and a lot of – well, all of us are going to be watching it on TV, so we're all going to be in the same boat. Now, I'm sure an NFL game is an NFL game, you know, even if you're not fans. But it's just strange to me, and I'm I'm glad for everybody else. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad. But I'm wondering, like, when we get to the NFL, if we get to the NFL, and I think we will, and people start kneeling, you know, they're going to be there's going to be mixed reactions. Yeah, there and, is. And I don't know. Are you, do you think you're going to have that in baseball at all? Do you, do you, or well, ba- basketball? Uh, you're obviously. And you know, I want to talk about that on the other side of our guest. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, no, because obviously there was a story last night that popped up involving Gabe Kapler, nailing. So right. it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of the reaction that takes place. But let's get it started. That will turn. That will turn people off. Yep. You know, not you and I, perhaps, but it will turn people off. Yep. Let's get it started. Uh, first, with the. Uh, NF lead NFL, one of the lead NFL writers for the Associated Press and from 97.5, the fanatic, Rob Motti. He will be our first guest when Work of the Beat continues and gets underway right after this. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way? This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work of the Beat podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Bee podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work of the Beat podcast family. The National Football League is scheduled to report the camps next week. Uh, But, of course, as with everything, it's all coronavirus permitting at this point. Testing has been agreed to with the league and the Players Association, but there's still the economics at work. And joining us now, a friend of our show for a long time, uh, he is the Philadelphia Bureau Chair and person of the Associated Press, covers the National Football League primarily for AP. Uh, also is a voice on 97.5 The Fanatic and has his own Faith on the Field podcast uh, sponsored by Karen University. It's our buddy, Rob Motti. Rob, how are you? What's up, fellas? How are you? Excited tell, Kev- tell Kevin he can say NFL. It's okay. <laughs> Why? <laughs> national football. The national. Please, 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 please. Uh, I, I, I do actually an, an NFL podcast for AP, but we got to call it Pro Football Podcast. I because you didn't that. pay the dollars. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I'm just uh, doing the Jaworski National Football League thing. So, it's. Uh, <laughs> all right, Rob. So, yesterday you broke the story about no preseason games taking place for the NFL. Or the NFL agreeing the no preseason games. Yeah. Uh, with the Players Association, went on with their demands. But the economics are still out there. Uh, what do you think is the situation as we speak with some camps, rookies reporting already? Yeah, you got rookies in Houston and Kansas City reported on Monday. Today you got all the other teams, rookies reporting, quarterbacks and injured players on Thursday. You know what's funny about that story too, Mike, because you asked me right before we got on about breaking news and all that stuff. I had that Sunday night and had to hold it because um, I, I respect my sources. And, right. you know, it, it's hard, right? Because sometimes you know somebody's going to get that story and then leak right. it because they're and, 
And I had that for several and, hours. And readers, now. readers don't understand that. No. I and, and you're sitting on it and you're sitting on it and it, it's yeah. like frustrating because you're seeing all this back and forth and whatever. So finally got the green light. Okay. You can use it. You can use the quotes and whatnot, but go, get back to your, your uh, question, Kevin. So they iron out the testing and screening protocol, which was extremely important to the players. I sat through a 90 minute video conference with the NFLPA president, JC Treader, who plays for the Cleveland Browns and D Smith, who was the executive director for the NFLPA on Friday. And they really uh, told us like from top to bottom, all the concerns they had. Then we all saw Sunday, the NFL players really launched the social media, right. to put pressure on the NFL. So what happened there is the NFL was going to recommend based on what the joint committee said, the joint committee task force from both sides, that they should do testing every other day. But the players were insistent upon daily testing. So they gave them daily testing first two weeks. But here's what's kind of different than I saw from the bubble and any other sports. Every player is going to have to pass a, is going to have to test negatively two times before they're even allowed in the building two times, 72 hours apart. So the rookies who come in on Monday or the rookies who come in on Tuesday, they don't go to the facility within inside the facility. They go to whatever the testing site is. They get tested three days later. They got to go quarantine for two days. Quarantine on your own for two days. Get tested again. Once you test negative twice, now you're allowed in the building. So they're not going to actually hit the field, I think, till later – uh, this week, early next week, but it's a process that was really important to the players. And I feel like by giving in a little bit there, cause it's, it's not that big a deal to the NFL giving in a little bit there. And also the no preseason game offer. Now they're setting themselves up to where the financial and economic packages, the NFL is going to take a harder line stance. Mike, Rob, does anybody see, I mean, look, they're, they're trying to do the right thing. Obviously they want to play football. But you're going to have 22 guys on each play hitting each other for 60 minutes and sweating on each other, and God knows what they do after the games when they go to locker rooms or whatever. It just seems to me that it's inevitable that something is going to happen at some point. How bad it's going to be, who knows? Maybe it won't be that bad. But obviously the players are concerned. Is the most important thing to get te- – we've seen issues with test results, the timing it takes. Yeah. I'm assuming the NFL is going to try to do it so they get them back as ASAP as possible. So they have a national lab company who's handling this for them. They, okay. who, who has said they're going to try to turn the results around in 24 hours. So now you got daily testing up to 90 men on each team, 32 teams being sent to this lab. And they're going to try and turn these around in, in 24 hours. Cause it's daily testing. We saw right here in Philly, Adam Hazley had to sit mm-hmm. out a couple of days because of an inconclusive test. Jake Voracek last weekend, inconclusive test. I'm sure that's going to happen. Right. In the NFL. And you're going to have it. Uh, it's it's going to be across the board all season long. And here's an important question that I don't have an answer to. Players don't have an answer to. The NFL, I don't think, has figured out what they're going to do in this scenario. But J.C. Treader uh, mentioned this from the Cleveland Browns the other day, and he said, hey, what happens if I test positive on uh, Friday? or Saturday before a Sunday game. Now, everyone I came in contact with has to be in, has to quarantine, correct? Right. Well, he's a center on a starting center on a team. Everyone on the offensive line, the entire offensive line, the defense, maybe the scout team, it's about 35 guys got to quarantine. For how long? What does that do to Sunday's well, game? Well, Rob, what about the fact that he may have to quarantine 
you may have to quarantine their opponents from the week before too, because if you think about the incubation period for this is supposed to be 14 days. Wow. I mean, you're, you're talking about a big, big mess of trouble. And that leads to another question. You know, does the NFL have contingencies in case teams can't be fielded at this point? At this point, we don't know what those contingencies are. Do you, do you, they said that they have in their schedule that they're going to do, they're going to have some flexibility. So, are you going to be able to push Sunday games to Monday, maybe to a Tuesday, maybe to a Wednesday? How does that affect the following week's game? This is the NFL. It's not the NBA. It's not Major League Baseball. You've got to give guys several days in between. I don't know what those contingencies are, and I don't think they have figured quite out. I know they're hypothetical situations, and nobody wants to deal in hypotheticals, but at some point during the course of the season, you know at least one guy is going to test positive, and then what happens we still have to figure yeah. that out. What if it's Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're going to have games that are going to be determined by guys who may not necessarily have the virus, but have been forced to quarantine because they were around someone. Right. And now you're going to have to take a starting quarterback out. And that, you know, how that's going to impact betting lines. It's going oh, to impact yeah. all the gambling. It's going to have a tremendous impact. But this is the world we live in. And, and I really don't have, I don't think anybody has a solution. No, Rob. Rob, what is the if, if, I, the cost of what you're talking about them doing? It seems to me if they're going to play a 16 week schedule, 17 week schedule, and playoffs are that's got to be an incredible amount of money, right? Oh my goodness! So I, I know they have a a general contract with this lab. I'm not sure what the dollars are there, but I know that they're testing X amount in each test. Beyond that is 125 bucks a test. Mm-hmm. So just think about it. Daily testing for two weeks, every other day throughout the course of the season, you're, you're talking gazillions of dollars for testing. And it's it's needed, it's necessary, but now you're going to have the financial ramifications. One of the testing, no fans in the stadium, they're going to lose multi-million dollars, even billion dollars on that. And then how do they make it up? Do they take it off as the NFL proposed the cap next year? or what the NFLPA wants to do, spread it out over the course of the CBA, which is eight or nine years, which seems to make more sense. Why would you want to have a cap next year that's $70 million? That's what the estimates are, $70 million less. Now you're going to have a ton of guys being cut because teams can't afford them. Rob, this leads to a question I wanted to ask you, which was Adam Schefter said yesterday on SportsCenter that the NFL will lose less money if they don't play a game than if they play games at this point because of no fans in the stands, uh, the testing cost, everything. I find that economics... Even with the TV money, Kevin? And, and that's where I was going. Even with the economics, I, I find that hard to believe. Is there a clause in their TV deal that they get paid no matter what? Like I know when they had the lockout, there was something there that they had guaranteed money even if the season didn't go on. Is there something in their TV clause that, that would have... That kicks in that they get paid by you know ESPN, CBS, Fox, and and um, and NBC, no matter what. I can't imagine those those at least a portion of it. They're, they're not the networks are they have to have an out clause where you're not paying what what you're saying that what Adams is reporting seems to me uh, clearly it's coming from the NFL. Sure. Right? So the NFL is trying to uh, pass on this idea. They're laying the groundwork. Yeah, we, we heard this idea from Major League Baseball where some owners were opposed to playing an abbreviated 60-game season because we're going to lose more money. Uh, I, I don't know how the NFL, with all the dollars coming in from the networks and everything else, is going to lose money just because you don't have the gate. I, I still think they end up 
they find a way to make some money now because especially you're you're how are you going to pay players over the course if there is any kind of cancellation, if the season doesn't come to a conclusion, if guys are going to opt out? you got to look into all those, and and how do they do – the, the opt-out is going to be important. What if a player is not high risk but someone in his house is high risk, someone, a family member? Do you allow that player because they're not high risk to opt out with full pay because a family member is high risk or say to that player, no, you have to just isolate and play the season yourself? They have to come to uh, an agreement on that, and, and I think those are some issues where the NFL may take a harder line stance on it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out over the course of the next two, three days. Plus, Mike, and it, I put Mike before, one more thing: sure. a lot of players make side money. We know this because they go to bar appearances, everything. Now that's all going to dry up, and if you're going to ask the players now to give part of their salary back right now, I mean, you're talking players, a lot of whom, despite the image of athletes who make a ton of money. Do live pay to, paycheck to paycheck. I mean, you're talking. They're, if I'm an NFL player, I'm not. I'm not giving back readily. You know, any part of my paycheck at this point. You know, zero chance. The guys are not going to want to give back their money because we all talk about. Oh, it's millionaires fighting billionaires. You know how many guys on an NFL roster are are making close to the NFL minimum, living paycheck to paycheck? And here's what happens with no preseason games. Those guys are most impacted. Mm -hmm. No preseason games. I talked about this last night on my show. No preseason games guarantees you're going to have a lot more injuries. We already thought we're going to have a lot of injuries. Now you're going to have a lot more injuries. You're going to have guys who are bottom of the roster guys, guys who are fringe guys, guys who are later round picks, undrafted free agents. No opportunity to make a roster. So you're going to have a sloppy product for at least the first month of the season. September is going to be the new August because it's going to be really first month of the season is going to be preseason football. You're going to go into October. You're going to see guys who are hamstring injuries, Achilles injuries, all kinds of stuff. And how does that affect them long term? Yeah, if it's groin, if it's hamstring, fine. What if they tear an Achilles? They tear an Achilles when we look at That's it. <laughs> 11, right? 2011 lockout, those injuries were went up. Now these guys are in worse shape than they were in 2011 because at least then they could get in a gym. We don't know how these guys worked out in the offseason. So you're going to have a sloppy product, more injuries, guys sitting out because of false positives. It, it's a mess. It's, it's really a mess, bottom line. But they, they've they been insistent upon trying to play through this, and I get it. I understand it. I just think it's an uphill battle. Mike, hey, Rob, we had a guest on a few weeks ago and who said that basically Jacksonville has told the NFL – that they would be available, and I believe it was March. Like the hotel rooms would be there. All Tampa, Bay. Be Tampa, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. And but there's so much unknowns now. We can't. But it's not hard to see the NFL season ending in April, maybe. Um, you know, if that's what it took to get it done. Especially if they start and they get halfway through. I don't think they're going to want to end it without a finish. You know, like the NBA and the NHL are trying to do. Could we see some weird scenarios that we're not even envisioning right now? Yeah, and we, we talked to some of the people in Tampa. They can they're they're fine going all the way back to March, late March. They'll do it. They're, it's a Super Bowl in a, in a city. They're going to do it. They'll be able to accommodate. I I think there's that there's that potential. But let's give some people hope, right? NBA had zero tests out of 326 players mm-hmm. just released right. yesterday. Granted, they're in a bubble, but it seems like that's working. NHL is not quite in the bubble yet, right? They only had two out of 2,000-plus test positive. So it looks like there's some hope. NFL's completely different animal, though, because these guys, they're going home, they're coming back, they're breathing on each other, they're bleeding on each other, they're doing all that stuff. I, 
they don't want to push anything back. You know that they don't want they they right. want to follow the season. I don't know how they they pulled us off, man. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be tough. Maybe they what they could do if some teams have an issue where it's thirty guys got a quarantine or whatever. Now you push one week back for that team. It's going to, but it alters the whole schedule. Yes, it does. Yep. There's so many hypotheticals in here. I, I, I'll tell you what. I'm glad I'm not making these decisions. Are they Rob, feeling? They told, oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. One thing. Have they told you, Rob, what the protocols are for the media? Oh yeah, Kevin's I've seen this about baseball, and also like these guys just getting showers in the locker room, or or you know, there's what there are ninety of them. You're saying on a on a potential roster, so maybe they dress fifty five or whatever they dress. Have they, have they told you what those protocols are for you and for them? Yeah, we're we're only going to be allowed, I believe, in the NFL, ten people who are going to have training camp training camp practice. Okay. Only ten. I still have to figure out. I got to go through. I have the documents. I got to read. They got the tier one, tier two, tier three, tier this, tier that, all that stuff. I, I'm sure because before you enter the facility, if you're one of those ten, you got to be tested. So there, there's that. But then all of the interaction, everything's going to be via via video conference. So we're covering we're covering games. We're doing everything, and then we're not having any one on one access. Understandably so, right? I completely understand that you're not going to be able to walk into a locker room, which is fine, but everything's going to be done then via video conference. I don't know how comfortable I am anyway sitting. You've seen the media set up at, at the NovaCare facility. It's just a small room, yeah. and it's a lot of media in there. I, if, I would rather go to practice, go sit in my car and do a video conference than sit in there. I, it's, it's going to be difficult. It's different. Baseball has it where it's only 35 media and photographers are going to be allowed in the, in the building in Citizens Bank Park. We're spaced out pretty good, though, in Citizens Bank Park. So it's going to be it's, – it's a lot different between baseball and football. And it'll be different when the Marlins are there as opposed to when the Yankees come to town next week, and that's when yeah. you're going to have uh, an issue. You're not going to have any – do you anticipate any Marlins beat writers? Uh, no. I, I don't know how many beat writers fill He's not sure how many Marlins are going to come oh, up. That's true. <laughs> I don't know how many Phillies beat writers are going to travel, to be bluntly honest. I mean, you know, it, because the point is you're going to have no access – well, what's the point in spending the money? But that's all. Kevin, Kevin, are you going Friday? Have you decided? I am not. I'm not going. I'm not was going. Was that your doctor's? Was that your doctor's? No, nah, that was my call. That's my okay. call. I, it's going to be. I'll, I'll talk to you about that later on. Hey, Rob, yeah, okay. I got a, I got a couple questions for you. Uh, back to the NFL. One, are they feeling political pressure? This is obviously, you know, in this perfect storm of a of a pandemic, you also have a presidential election here. Um, and you have a president and an administration that's that's really, when we've talked to people in political reporting, has said that they want to get stuff open and they feel like the NFL is critical to get the nation going and, and moving again. Do they feel any pressure about that? I think they do feel a little bit of pressure, but how much when there's billions of dollars involved, I don't know that you really need outside pressure to want to get your sport going, to get your league going. And I don't think that the NFL at this point, after how they've come out in support of Black Lives Matter, really care that much with this president uh, <laughs> to follow whatever it is that he wants them to do. Now, the, the NFL can say one thing, but then you have owners who may be supporting the campaign. Right, you may have right. owners who still have friendly relationships with the president. But I think the league 
is although there's probably some a little bit of pressure, they're operating on their own. They want to get the, they want to get football rolling. They want to get the yeah. sport going. Once somebody kneels, it's all over anyway. And and you know there's going to be a lot of guys who do that. We That's saw right. Gabe Kapler do it last night, right? right. So uh, in the NFL, there's gonna there's gonna be a tremendous amount of players doing that. Are they prepared for that? Are is, are, the, is league the league prepared for a number of the blowback that may result from certain portions of the country? From a number of players doing kneeling, and and, and obviously you know, there's there's the there's been the report about them playing the black national anthem before uh, the opener, uh, the Texans and the Chiefs. Um, are they prepared for basically entering a political storm here? By the way, when I reported that story, yes. that was one day I needed to shut off my notifications. That was probably a good <laughs> idea. That was maybe the, the ugliest amount of uh, responses I've ever seen. And, and then I did a whole show on it for four hours, and the, and the show went way better because people people would rather troll you on social media than actually call you. And well, have yeah, because they don't, have, they, don't, they, they don't have to use their actual voice on social yeah. media. But I, I do think the minute Roger Goodell did that video – although he was pressured by the star players. The minute he did that, he, he completely, the NFL took the side of, we, we understand what's going to happen. We're prepared for it. We're going to fully support our players. And whatever blowback we get politically, we're ready to handle it. Mike? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's funny. People haven't even thought about that, Rob, but it was because the president came out so strongly. We need football. We need, and I get it, you know, understandably so. America does need football. But then when the thing came out about the kneel and he said, well, then I'm done with him. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You can't want him to. And I know a lot of people, even friends of mine and people who are really turned off by that. But yet in light of what's happened in the last couple of months in this country, I, I just think it's inevitable that you're going to probably have as, at least as many, if not more people kneeling or doing something than you will not doing something. And we just as Americans have to, to deal with that. I wrote about this as soon as like a lot of this was happening. And one thing that I think might deter mass kneeling is that a lot of the head coaches, front offices want their team unified. Okay. Guys, whatever you want to do, let's all do it together. So if you can't get 55, 65 guys to all agree that we want to kneel and they want unity, now you may not have it as much. Now, yeah. some teams are allowing players to come to a conclusion, come to a decision individually, which I think is the fair thing to do. Because here's what happens. If you are now making it mandatory that a team is unified in that locker room, you're going to have some issues. Because sure. you're, not, you're never going to get 65 guys to agree on any issue, let alone an issue that is as controversial as this one. This one. So now what happens if – 28 guys want to kneel, 34 guys. How are you going to make that decision? So I think coaches are going to do themselves a disservice if they insist on mandatory unity. You're going to have to allow guys to individually speak out. Rob, do you think the way some teams handle this will give some teams an advantage or a disadvantage when they actually do hit the field? Great question. Yeah, for sure. And here's something that was a little bit underreported. So I'll I'll, I'll report it on, on your podcast, guys. Scoop, scoop. <laughs> Eagles had some issues after the Super Bowl season. And part of those issues had to do with their decision on how to handle the White House. And we've never, we've never, not a lot of people have, have talked about this or even know it. And I've been real hesitant and reluctant to report it. So here, we'll talk about it right here. 
Some of their issues in the 2018 football season stemmed from how they handled the decision not to go to the White House. And part of that was because they were insisting upon unity. And there were some who wanted to go and some who didn't want to go. So now if players and coaches are going to insist upon that this season, you're going to have, as you were referring to, some teams are going to have an advantage because that can lead to locker room friction. And, and if you got pl- players who think like, okay, this guy's not a foxhole guy. He doesn't see my point of view here. It's going to be tough right. to play on, on a Sunday. It, you know, it, it's, it's going to cause potential strife within that you better you better have a strong head coach who knows the pulse of his locker room if this is gonna if it's gonna and a strong leader too yeah a a couple strong leaders on your team and and i don't know who they are and that's for this eagles team i don't know but let me ask rob about one other team in the nfc east um obviously the redskins have had a hell of a hell of a month uh who Who? i'm sorry the washington Washington nfl football franchise i've gotta (laughs) stop doing that um the San Diego Chargers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, when you – obviously, the Washington Post story that came out last week was really damaging in the public relations uh, realm for Daniel Snyder. How did it change his view within the league at this point? I don't know. That guy's reputation is so bad. I don't know how you change his image within the league. That the First the name and then the other scandal. Here's the issue, too. With that other scandal, as horrific as it is, I'm sure it's commonplace in, in, on other teams. Oh, I, I don't doubt it. In other in other leagues, yeah. in other industries, and that is something that you know. As I, I, I spoke about this the other day, as much as we can stand up and say it's it's not enough to just not be a racist, right? It's right. not enough anymore. You have to actually speak out against racism. Yeah. The three of us and all men have to speak out against sexism. It's not enough to just say, well, that's not me. You know, we hear the conversations. We hear them in the press box. We hear them in the locker room. We hear them everywhere else. Are are we going to now just say, yeah, that's an awkward conversation not to have? No, we need to speak up and speak out against it. Like, yo, man, that's not cool. You should not be saying that. You should not feel that way. And as as it relates to Dan Snyder, he's got an uphill battle. I don't know how you – I don't know how you come back from that. It seemed for a long time he just doesn't care. Uh, he, he knows like they, they got to go full scale, incredible marketing campaign to rebuild his image and that team's. Image. Will they force him to sell the team? I doubt it. That's that's hard to do. Um, I'm not sure that they'll be able to do something like that. How, how do you force a guy to sell I mean, the team? Adam Silver did it with with Donald Sterling, and Donald I get it's Sterling. different. Yeah. I get it's a different circumstance. It, it is. It's different. I, I don't. I don't anticipate seeing something like that. Now, I could be wrong, right? I could be wrong. I, I don't anticipate seeing them forcing Daniel Snyder to sell the team. Well, he may have to anyway because, yeah. I mean, is anybody in DC going to want to cooperate with him on a stadium at this point? I mean, and that's what he wants. As far as naming rights and whatnot? Well, not not just naming rights, but, you know, he has to get federal land. You know, and and will the the government in Washington, he wants to go on the RFK site. Will the government in Washington, the city or the district or the federal government, if they believe that this is a culture that's poisonous towards women, uh, disrespecting of Native Americans as long as it was, uh, will they give him you know, rights to buy that land or to develop on that land. I think that, I think that, I think that's a massive, massive issue for him. 
It, it's a good question. Uh, I, I, I just feel like he'll find a way to work that out and you, you'll, you'll end up, he'll end up being there ruining that franchise for another decade. Okay, Mike. Good for us. <laughs> I think one of the major players in all this is Ron Rivera because if nothing else, I think Ron Rivera has a lot of respect around the league. He's been outspoken through all this. So maybe if Daniel would take a step back and just let Ron Rivera kind of become the, the face of the franchise, maybe they have a chance. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but he seems like the kind of guy that people can get around. Yeah, definitely. And Ron, Ron Rivera does have a great reputation around the league, and, and it looks like Daniel Snyder's putting a lot of this on him, making him the face of the franchise. The era, the, the, the era begins with Ron Rivera. And now, how does that affect the product on the field? Because you've got a head coach who's focused on being the face of a franchise and trying to navigate through right. the ugly storm of everything that's happened. You would think that's going to impact his, his ability to actually – Coach players, because that's what he's hired to do. Coach the players. Yeah. With a young quarterback that. that you took pretty high. Yeah. You know, who's your future. Exactly. So, as you say, good for the rest of the teams in the NFC East because yeah. Ron Rivera's got a – he's got bigger issues than a winning football team. He's got to help rebuild a franchise's image. Last question, Rob. Since we got to get to the Eagles for one question at least, how critical a year is this for Carson Wentz? Given the Jalen Hurts – Drafting, given uh, you know the division seems like is there for the taking, but you know we're now talking three years. This is the third season beyond the Super Bowl, and he's had sluggish regular seasons the last two. He was pretty good late in the season last year, but that was against some weak he opponents. Was throwing at you and me last year, yeah. Um, how much? How, how critical is this for Wentz at this point? He's got to win a playoff game. He's got to win a playoff game because the, the argument will always be. He hasn't, he hasn't started. Well, he finally started, got knocked out on the cheap shot. He's got to win a playoff game. Uh, I don't think there's pressure from Jalen Hurts. I really don't – I don't believe the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts to be a successor to Carson Wentz, to put pressure on Carson Wentz. I really believe the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts because they see a guy who is a cheaper backup quarterback, somebody who they can groom, and also they are excited by the package of plays that they can use for Jalen Hurts. So I don't think there's pressure there, but I do think there's pressure in the city. I talked about yesterday who is the most overly scrutinized player in our past two decades in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz. I said Ben Simmons. Carson Wentz won the poll. Uh, Every quarterback is. Yeah, the real last question from me. Jadavian Clowney, we've heard connected with them a little bit. Is he off the radar at this point, or can they fit him in? If they can get him at their price, which I think is single digits, not 10 or 11 or 12 million. For one can, year? Yeah, if they can get him under that, I, they'll entertain it. They're, Howie will always look to, to make the team better, to find a way. Um, it, they brought back Jason Peters, so that eliminates uh, going out there and bringing in another offensive lineman. They got their offensive lineman. If they want to allocate those dollars somewhere, but you also have to take into consideration how is the salary cap picture going to look like next year? You're already over yeah. the cap. How does it impact there? Do you want to try and sign guys? I think unless there's an injury to someone on a defensive line, and by that, like a Brandon Graham right. or a Derek Barnett, not a backup or whatever, I, I don't anticipate Clowney coming in. Right. All right. are, are, they the, are they the favorite, or should they be considered the favorite, or should the Cowboys be considered, or are they co-favorites? 
I got to give the edge slightly to Dallas, slightly. And, and but you know, Mike McCarthy hasn't been there, so that's going to impact. The, the Eagles have the most stability, and Doug Peterson being here, right. everyone else has a new head coach. McCarthy's a great head coach. He hasn't been out on the field on grass with these players, right. but I just look at the talent that the Cowboys have. I give them a very slight. It's a two-team race, no doubt. I give them a very slight edge, but it, it wouldn't surprise Could me. Both of them make the playoffs. It's it's a good question. That's a good question. I, I get the beat I, up on the bottom feeder of the division between the that, Giants. That and the, helps, right? I I think you got a 10, 10 win and a nine win team. I don't look at eleven and twelve for them right okay. now. Right now, okay. I look at a ten win team and a nine win team, or both ten and six. Whoever gets a tiebreaker gets in. I'll say right now, only one of them gets and, in. And, and that would be the first time since two oh five, right? Or two oh four that they would have repeated in the division. Yeah, right? since the Eagles they last, did it. Yeah. since the Eagles did it. Uh, Rob Motti from the Associated Press, from 97.5 The Fanatic, and from the Faith in the Field podcast. Uh, it, it well and, and show right. It's it's on. It is a show. I got and and we might be soon enough bringing the show. All, we're on six ten ESPN. We're yep. on one oh seven five alive, and I'm looking closely at perhaps next month launching the show in Tampa and Charlotte. Tampa's like my second home, and in Charlotte. So yeah, you spent the quarantine down in in, in the uh, months. Oh. Wow. Yeah. We, 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 we were quarantined. I hate to, you know, I felt bad making people like see all the pictures, but everybody else was quarantined. We were on the beach every day. And now here's the problem. I'm back home in New Jersey. Yeah. And my wife is looking at houses every day in Tampa area on the beach and whatnot. So I, that was the only way I can get her to come home is like promise her. All right. Someday we'll move down there. I've promised that to my wife, but after what she's seen in Florida the last couple of months, it's been, it's become a tougher sell. <laughs> My wife doesn't know anything about sports, doesn't care about sports, but when she saw that Tom Brady signed with the Buccaneers, she's like, honey, that's a sign. What are you about? Like, he's only going to be there a year or two. Yeah, I was like, come on now. That's why he has to move now. That's right. Rob, appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Rob Monty joining us. We'll be back on Work of the Beat right after these messages. To reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way, this is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work It To Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work It To Be podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workinthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. And joining us now, uh, it's great to get the band back together. Uh, for years, you saw these two sitting next to each other on a desk with Michael Barkan off to the off to the right on uh, off to the left rather on uh, Daily News Live. Uh, the voice of Penn State basketball, one of the voices of Penn State basketball, and one of the smartest people when it comes to college basketball, pro basketball, and horses that you'll ever meet. It's Dick Girardi. Dick, how are you? Good, Kevin. What's up, man? He, you left out hockey, Kevin. Yeah, he, he is Mr. Pox. And uh, I, I uh, you know, since we have Mertitas coming on Thursday, I, I'll leave the, the hockey for the him. Good. Well, great, greatest Good. line in the world, Kevin. We're sitting there one time, and and they showed a hockey highlight, and Dick goes, "That's the first time I ever saw the puck go in the net." <laughs> I, I laughed for like five minutes. It was, 
it uh, was unbelievable. All right, so DJ, what have you been up to these days? Normally, you'd be on a, you know, you would have done a triple crown circuit. You would have yep. had an NCAA tournament to break down. You would have had yep. everything. So since March, what have you been up to? Yeah, I mean, like a lot of people, I've been mostly homebound, get out every once in a while, not too often. Uh, watching a lot of horse racing on TV. The good news for me is horse racing is the one sport that never stopped. Uh, some of the yeah. tracks, like Coldstream Park in Oakland, they raced right through it. And now just about every racetrack in the country has been open for weeks, most without fans, some with a few fans. So from that standpoint, I've, I've been better off than most people out there. I, I, My game has continued. And you know the amazing thing, Kevin and Dick, is that the administration now has acknowledged that there's a pandemic. They're going to start, you know, they're, they're actually, so there really is one now, even though there wasn't one or maybe, unbelievable. It's good news. It's good news that they've come around. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Better, better late than never. Very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not for the people that didn't make it. No. Well, there, there's that. Yeah. Uh, all right, Dick. So how much, I mean, let me start with the college game. And obviously mm -hmm. you were in Indianapolis when everything happened. Yep. Um, when will we see college sports again? Um, yeah. I mean, because it looks more and more like college football, at least is going to end up being a springtime event if it happens at all. Yeah. I, I think the best answer is the only right answer is, I don't know. Uh, anybody that thinks they know at this point is probably dreamy. I know a lot of the Power 5 schools are planning like they are going to have football, most if not all with no fans, because there's obviously an incredible amount of money involved to get these games on television. Um, Ivy League, Patriot League, other leagues, uh, Division II, they've already just said, look, we're not even going to try because there's not, a, there's not a money element. Mm -hmm. So the college leagues that have the most at stake monetarily will be the last ones to make a decision. Um, but we're getting closer, right? We're getting late. We're now late July. Yeah. Um, the Big Ten has announced among a lot of the major conferences that are just going to play league games to have some better feel for how to deal with this. But yeah, I, I think it's a, it's still an unknown even at this late date, Kevin. Kevin, when you, I mean, Dick, when you talk to people at Penn State, and I'm assuming you, you know, you do once uh -huh. in a while. Sure. Do you get a sense that they're optimistic, pessimistic, realistic about what? really might happen and, he, and this could even affect basketball obviously and as kevin says you know we could wind up playing in in march april and may maybe football uh do you get any sense for them or are they in that i don't know either yeah no i think they're realistic i think they're pragmatic i think they have a plan a b c d depending on how this is playing out at the time look when the plans were originally made say back in may uh, all of us were hopeful we'd be at a completely different stage with this than we are. Um, but you can only deal with the reality, and you got to keep calling audible. So I think people are hopeful but realistic that there's a chance there may not be a college football season. And basketball is an indoor game. Uh, obviously, it, it's players are going to be close to one another. It all just comes down to where are we in November? Where are we in December or January? I know Rick Pitino has said a few times, the new coach at Iona, look, just start the season January 1st. Uh, no non-conference games, play league games, and let's see what we can do. That's a rational way to look at it, but I just think there's too many still unanswered questions to say for sure what's going to happen. We talked, when we talked a couple of weeks ago to Jim Gardner, he talked about the impact on the, center, Pennsylvania, uh, the central Pennsylvania economy Yes, if Penn State football does not take place. 
at, no, at, it's, it's but but I mean, if they do play, but don't mm-hmm. have any fans. Yeah, no, they're not going to have many fans. I know Rutgers announced yesterday no fans, no fans because uh, the, the governor has said that it's not happening. Governor Murphy. So yeah, I mean, what if you can't have fans? What's the? There's no. You're not getting that anyway for the for Center County and and look the hotels, the restaurants. It's a huge uh, economic driver for that area up there, but for the school itself. And, and the big power five schools, the money television. is television. Right. Yeah, that, that's where the cash is. So, but that's why the NFL is just going to, they're just going to play through anything because they're the NFL. They can do whatever they want. They don't need people. Uh, they can, their, their TV contract is fine. And colleges at that level, is it a hit without fans there? Of course, but they can still play because there's so much money through the, through the TV networks, the ESPN, CBS, ABC, and in the Big Ten's case, the Big Ten Network is obviously a huge money driver mm-hmm. for all the athletic departments in the league. Yeah, it, it's funny. I've been wa- I actually watched like an inning or two of the Phillies last night, and I I just can't get into it without fans. It, it just it, it, maybe cardboard doesn't maybe, do cardboard doesn't do it for you. No, nah, it, it's like. <laughs> but I'm thinking the pros. I think you can get away with it more. Like if there's an NBA bubble or. I just can't imagine Penn State playing Ohio State or Michigan or, or one of those great games that we look forward to every year in an empty stadium. I, I just that's what college sports are. It's the fans. They they you know, that's what makes it and I understand they have to do it for the football money if they're gonna do it. I mean for the T V money. But man, it just seems like almost like other than that, why? No, you're right, Mike, but it is other than that. And, again, it keeps certainly at a school like Penn State and a lot of the big Power Five programs without football money. Right. These other 30 to however many sports you have, they can't function. I mean, look, the reality is in college sports, two sports make money, men's basketball and football. Everything else loses money. What about a school like Temple, which, you know, is in the the sixth best conference, let's say. Has a ton Um, of travel. It's on travel. Yep. Um, doesn't get a lot of fan support anyway, so that's yep. not. But I mean, can schools like that, you know, even think about making it or taking a year off? Or I don't know. Yeah, without without seeing Temple having Temple's numbers right in front of me, Mike, I don't know exactly what they are. Obviously, they're not bringing in the kind of money uh, that other schools are that have right. big time football because of the league that they're in. They just don't get that kind of TV money. Yeah, it's, it's a really good question because that budget is a little tighter uh, at schools like Temple. The, what, what's, the, what's the name for them? The, group the American, of six? American Athletic. The, the, how, yeah, the, the, the other schools are the group of six or whatever they are. Yeah. I can't keep up yeah. with all this stuff. But, but yeah, no, they, they have a whole other issue. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's not football money is not keeping that alive. Well, and then there's the other schools. Let's look at LaSalle and let's look at St. Joe's. Yep. Private. Catholic schools, smaller enrollment than we're talking yep. at a Temple or a Villanova or a Penn or, or even Drexel. Um, tighter budgets to begin with. They were part of the education bubble that was starting the burst before all this. What happens with the Explorers and the Hawks at this point? And, and yeah, St. Joe's is a mess anyway because of what happened with with the way Phil got let go and kind of everything, the upheaval they had in their athletic department. Yeah, it's that those schools were always on the precipice, Kevin, for mm-hmm. the reasons that you cited. Uh, I mean, just LaSalle specifically has a problem just attracting students at this point. 
So the, the whole school, you, you wonder how viable it is. Now with the, the sports situation such as it is where there's no money coming in, uh, yet you have all these um, athletes on scholarship, yeah, how does that work? Uh, I, that's not something anybody that was running those athletic departments could have ever had to consider. There was no yeah. reason to consider it. Nobody ever thought this would happen. And if you don't play sports, you don't bring those athletes in, or maybe the the friends who want to be you know cool and hang out. Right. Go ahead, yeah. Mike. No, no. I'm just saying. You know, all this talk in the last couple of days now of a possible vaccine, people are at least getting optimistic that maybe by spring. You know, which if, if this is only a one year thing, as bad as that would be, it's a one year thing. I, I think they we would mostly survive. I think if it goes beyond that, that's when the real troubles would come in, especially for schools like LaSalle and St. Joe that, like you say, Kevin, might not, you know, might not attract as many students or might not. And we're on shaky know. ground to begin with. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious if any of these schools, athletic departments, have um, insurance against something like this uh, that bring oh, in yeah. this kind of money. Like right. the NCAA tournament had insurance, not nearly as much as I thought they should have had. They only uh, had like 30%, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, I was, I was very surprised that they didn't have a 100% catastrophic policy because the NCAA, for the people that don't know, is 95% funded by the men's basketball tournament. Mm-hmm. If that money doesn't come in, they have a real problem with their operating and, and staying in operation. So, yeah, I don't know if any of the, any of the big schools have that. Um, I doubt. I, I suspect the smaller schools don't uh, because what are you insuring? There's not, there's, you're not bringing that much money anyway. But, yeah, Mike, I think you're right. If it's just a year, it's doable. And, look, any, any vaccine, and I listen and we're all hopeful, but, yeah, even if a vaccine or vaccines prove that they are working, how do you get them to 300 million people? How do you, how does everybody get vaccinated? Yeah. Yeah. How many yeah. people don't want to get vaccinated? The, well, the that, interesting that's, that's thing, a whole other issue. Yeah. The interesting thing, and I'm not the expert on this, obviously, by any stretch, but the stories I've been listening to, they, they were actually saying last night, they were very hopeful that if this works, which the initial studies look like, you know, there's hopeful, there's possibility. They could actually have that many, um, they were saying ready to go million, I think. Like, well, by next, you know, by right. next spring or next summer and, the, you know, the older people would get it first. And But you're right, Dick. There, there, there's a lot of people that aren't going to take it, that, that won't get it for the yep. same reason. Maybe they don't want to wear and a who, mask or whatever reason. And who won't take it right away because they want to see if other people sure. have Absolutely. side effects or something. And that's I'll understandable. I'll be the first one, Kevin. I'm raising my hand. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll be the guinea pig. I, you know, I'm okay. No, I, and I, I understand it. Dick, let me switch you to the NBA here. Yep. Um the bubble, the, the the league released yesterday that the bubble has been pretty much intact. There were no yep. new cases out of their testing of 348 yesterday. Um, if one, how confident are you that this is going to work the way they have it set up? And two, yeah, I, I'm more confident in the NBA than any other league um, because the leadership is so far advanced from any leadership in any other sports league and has been for a long time. And unlike every other sports league, the players trust the commissioner. Mm -hmm. Uh, Adam Silver won their trust. The minute he came in and dealt with Donald Sterling. Yeah. That was his, what was he in for about five minutes? And that happened pretty much. And from that point on, the players have believed in their commissioner and clearly they have come up with a plan well thought out. And the fact that that stat you just said came out yesterday, Kevin, that 
they tested everybody and nobody is positive. It's kind of an amazing statistic. But we don't know what's going to happen when groups of people get together and start mm-hmm. sweating and, and, and that. But look, if everybody shows up and nobody's positive, well, nobody should be positive after they're with each other. I mean, somebody's got to be positive. Unless start. you escape the bubble somehow. Yeah. Right. Just be smart. Well, you send out the jack in the box for tacos and, you know, <laughs> you, you mess up. And you don't think that the uh, baseball players trust their commissioner, Dick? I don't. <laughs> Nor football. <laughs> Hold on. I, I actually, I'll ask this seriously. You like their setup better in the NHL, which took it to Canada and pretty much said, hey. Yeah, I, I think, I, yeah, I, I do. I think it just makes, because they've been there a while, uh, and by the time the games actually start, they will have a really good sense of how this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll have a couple of exhibition games. So I think they've given themselves every chance for this to work. And, and if it does, some teams are only going to be there for not that long anyway because they're right. going to lose and they'll be out of there. Some teams won't even make the playoffs. And then the teams that will be there for months are the teams that we're going to be playing deep into June anyway. Now they're going to be playing into – I don't even – when's this thing supposed to end? October? I don't even October know. 13th October is game seven. Okay. Or 13, okay. okay. Um, and then they got to figure out, obviously, what they're going to do about the following season, which nobody has a clue about at this point. Mike? Yeah. I thought I, I think it was early December they were playing on, but I, I could be wrong about that. Maybe it's uh, and they're going to have a draft in there somewhere too, which is and, and free agency and free agency. And with yeah, this how team, about, yeah. How about if you're a college player and you're sitting there trying to decide whether you want to go back to school where there may not be basketball, right? Or you want to stay in the NBA draft, and you got to make a decision. I think it's in the next three weeks mm-hmm. with no input. It's just a nightmare. And the kid from Gonzaga, the real good kid, I think he's he's going to stay in the NBA draft, but he's going to sign with a team in Russia, I think, or somewhere in Europe. Yeah, it came out yesterday. Yeah, but Dick, earlier today, you and I were talking, so let Kevin in on some of your thoughts on Mr. Simmons and Mr. Embiid, because I think (laughs) that's some really interesting takes on both of them. Yeah, a couple of things. One, on Simmons, I mean, it's it's like, what, every month there's the story about how Ben Simmons is now going to be shooting five threes a game. Ben Simmons isn't going to be shooting any threes. He doesn't shoot threes, and, and he doesn't need to shoot threes right now. If, if he shoots some, fine, but I don't think that's part of it. He's a terrific player, one of the best defenders in the league, sees things that nobody else sees, and I like his want to. He wants to be a great player. You can see that obviously. Would it be helpful if he can start shooting and making threes or longer shots? Of course. But I just don't think that's all that relevant. I, I think he's got a chance to be a major star in the league. He's, he's on his way. As for MB, it's it's all up to him. The skill level is off the charts. Uh, footwork amazing, beautiful touch, great free throw shooter for a man any size, much less a big man. But does he want to be great? That's really what this comes down to. Does he want to work like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or Tim Duncan or the great players that we've watched? Because Dick, he could be, be great. He could be Giannis or Anthony Davis, right? Absolutely. Now, he's, he's close to it now, and he hasn't given an indication he cares. Yeah, right. the talent. I mean, he. I don't know that I've seen a big man with that overall skill level at that size in like. Really long time, and um, and Dick, I agree with all that. Okay, but I also look at the fact that you know they're a six seed for a reason, yeah, <laughs> and and and, and they are. You would think 
likely to go home sooner than they did last year. Okay. I mean, everybody, everybody thinks that they're going to just somehow turn it on and, and become this magical thing in Orlando. And they have a shot to do that, but they also have a shot. They could get bounced by the heat or, or by the Celtics very easily. Yeah, I think they're poorly put together for the modern NBA. Uh, I thought last year's team was much better put together with Redick and Butler. Uh, they're yeah. more of the prototype NBA players you need today. Or even the team they had two years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They just don't have enough shooting. Uh, there are certain things they just don't do uh, with floor spacing. And you watch the way the modern NBA game is played. They just don't play it. Uh, and regardless of how good or not good or how in shape or not in shape Embiid is. Yeah, Kevin, I, I will not argue that. I, I, if they win a series or two, I'll be surprised. I'll be great. It'll be great. Love to see it. Get to see some more. But hoops, then something but has to I'd happen, doesn't it? Say it again. Then something has to happen, doesn't it? I mean. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, well, look, what's going to happen is they'll probably fire the coach. And I don't know that it's necessarily the coach's problem. I just think in the offseason, when they started to make their changes, decided who was going to stay, who was going to go, who they were going to bring in. And when I looked at them, when they brought in Al Horford, and I've been an Al Horford fan for a long time, but I'm thinking, does this really work? with this team and i'm thinking eh, maybe not um and it clearly did not so now they're touting shake milton and furcon and let's see how this works out but they're kind of unproven players in general and very unproven in the playoffs they're trying to win the 1989 nba title yeah, as to, i'm as with a, you as it, opposed it just, to 2020 and brett brown can't coach that way no he can't he, he cannot coach he wants to coach your ball and that's fine he, I got wants, no he wants to coach like the Spurs played when he was last there, and they were they basically had a basketball revolution going on down there in San yeah. Antonio. Hey, hey, Dick, what do you think about Ben as a four? Because I, Kevin and I have talked about this. I am not for it, but I'm not there every day. I'm not in practice. I think he needs to have the ball in his hands. He's a facilitator. But can this work if they do that? Yeah, it can work. I, I Look, I think he's a player. I think you just put right. him on the court. Mm -hmm. You let him do what he does best. The thing he, he does two things really, really great. Uh, run, he's just a phenomenal athlete. And when he runs with the ball, he sees everything. Mm -hmm. And he's become, hey, yeah, look, I don't see every defender every night in the NBA, but he's got to be a top five to ten defender yep. in the league now. And that means something in, in that league because there's a lot of people that have a reputation yeah. as something and it's kind of a fraud. His reputation is not fraudulent on defense. He's and especially when you have his length. Absolutely. Which is amazing. And he's a superior athlete. And again, I, I think he's, he, he was born with a very high basketball IQ, and, and it's just gotten higher and higher. And, and when I watch him play, I, I just see, and I don't know him. I've never even talked to him. I see a guy that has that want to be great about him. Uh, I'm not sure I see it with the center. Let me Let me – Cue you into a question Mike and I have debated before, and it's about the owner. Okay, Josh Harris. I I I floated this theory last night to somebody, and they didn't disagree. That when you have an owner who seems like he's interested in owning five different franchises, mm -hmm. you don't really have an owner because their attention is not in one spot. And looking at the good of the organization as a whole, he's looking at the good of the investment. Um, how do you view him right now? I mean, he's looking at buying the Mets. He, he he's yep. uh, 
apparently one of the favorites to buy the Mets. And does he want to buy the Daily News? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, I mean, we needed him ten years ago, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Be careful what you wished for. In yeah, that case. That too. Um, what do you? I mean, how do you feel like this ownership group is? I, I almost wonder if they are more comfortable with the idea of being marketable than winning. I think that's not an unfair concern. Uh, it's it's interesting when. Hang on a second. Can you turn that down? <laughs> hang on. Let me move here. Hold on. Okay. It's now all good. It's all good. Off. We're we're very. Um, so, uh, you know, it's interesting when you mentioned the Mets thing, Kevin. Uh, I was having a text conversation yesterday morning with Ken Rosenthal, the great baseball writer for Athletic, and he's also on Fox. And he wrote a piece yesterday about how A Rod and J Lo want to buy the Mets. Right. And and I didn't realize Harris and Blitzer were involved in it. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, look. If I were the Mets, if I were baseball, I would 100% want A-Rod and J-Lo owning that franchise just to give baseball some juice because these guys have no juice at all. Yeah. There's just nothing there. I mean, so, look, Jerry Jones, he's he is tremendous for the NFL because right. he's accessible. He'll say anything. Mark Cuban's great for the Mark NBA. Mark Cuban is a perfect example. Those guys are great for their sports because they're out there. They have so much money. They don't care anymore. They'll say anything. And that baseball's dying for something like that. So to your point on Harris and Blitzer and that old crowd, I just don't think there's much there. There's just no – I don't think the fans of Philadelphia have any sense of who they are, what they're doing. Uh, there's no connection with the community that I can come up with. And and they're not out there. Well, and, they, and even when they are, they don't say anything interesting. Right. And, and, Mike, before I let you jump in on this, do you remember the first press conference he had at the Palestra? I do. I, I think I was there. Yeah, I think you and I both were there. And remember the yep. question got raised, will you move to Philadelphia from New York? And it was yep. kind of a, ha, 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 ha. No, no, my wife would kill me. You know, that no, kind of question. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. No, yeah, what I remember about that mostly is that that was the day Ed Stefanski found out he wasn't going to be working there anymore. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Which may have been the story I wrote, but he didn't know about it until that day, as, as, if, I, if my recollection is correct. But, yeah, you're right. I do remember that, too, Kevin. And, sure. and it was like almost like this, like, why would I? You know, like, right. he's a man of the world. You why don't would get he? the community. If you're, if you're saying that, you don't get the community where you just bought the team. No. Mike? Yeah. Hey, Dick, back to the court a second. Yep. Where do you see Tobias Harris's role in whatever's going to happen? Because they, <laughs> they saw him in to be the third guy, the yep. missing, the missing link, the whatever. Yeah, yep. uh, I think Butler was the better missing link, but that didn't work out for whatever reasons. Yep. And Tobias seems like he's a really good player, not, but whatever. But he might not be that guy. Can he be that guy? I, look, I I think he's a second tier star, where you win with first tier stars. Okay. Uh, and he's making first-tier star money, so you only have X amount of dollars to go around. And he's a, a really good player, uh, but he's limited. There are certain things he can do, certain things he can't do. And I, if, as I watch him play, I'm thinking, is he adding anything in the plus-minus to what's happening on the court? He's an, I would call him an average defender. Uh, he was a better shooter in L.A. than he is in Philadelphia. Uh, I suspect I know why. I just think he probably got better shots. He was set up better out there because of spacing and other issues. And and it for, it just worked better there. Yeah, Mike, I think he's good. Mm -hmm. I just don't think he's great. And probably in the NBA, 
you need three great to contend for a title. Right. And Jimmy, at least, I mean, maybe to me, maybe I'm seeing this wrong. Jimmy was willing at the end of games to be the guy. You know, give me the ball. Mm-hmm. I'll do it whether I succeed or I don't succeed. I'm just not sure Tobias is necessary. And I'm wondering at the end of games, I'm guessing that means they're going to go to Embiid, right? Yeah, and that's a problem because at the end of games, you need a guy who can beat somebody off the bounce and, right. and make that mid-range jump shot. Uh, that's not really Tobias. It's certain, ben can beat people off the bounce, but he's not a guy who's going to pull up from 18 feet when he can't get to where he wants to get to, which right. is what Butler could do. And those are the guys that win games for you down the stretch. This would be like the Pippin Jordan Bulls trying to rely on, on you know, like Steve Kerr Jim, or uh, Paxson yep. to win games yep. constantly for him. Yep. But there ain't no Pippen or Jordan on this team. No, but I'm just saying that's the no, comparison. That, yep. that, that, you, that third guy, Ken on that third guy, if he's not an exceptional player, it's going to be difficult. No, and, and, and they were the exception to the rule in that they were so good, any third guy or fourth guy was okay with them as long as they could make an open shot. Who wins it? Who wins the bubble? Yeah, I'm going to go with LeBron. Uh, they were playing the best toward the end. Um it's the Bucks are fascinating to me because they do things kind of backward from the way the world works. They let you shoot threes, right? But they make so many that they just outscore you anyway. Uh, I thought they were the, easily the two best teams. I, I, I think LeBron. I mean, think about it: wins in Miami, wins in Cleveland. Now he could win in LA, and when he doesn't play for your team, your team sticks. Yeah. When he leaves. You, you go into oblivion. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Lakers. They got the they got two of the five best players in the world on their team, and Anthony Davis and LeBron. Yeah, D- Dick. So if I was asking you to look into your crystal ball, Collie Troops, because that's your sport. What do you think? You think that January first Patino thing is is more uh, realistic, or what do you think? Well, look. It, it, <laughs> I wish we had better leadership. We wouldn't even be in this situation. That's another story for another day. Uh, Mike, I don't know uh, because trying to predict how this thing is going to play out is just a guess. That's probably not a, irrational to think January. Um, but, man, I hope it's mid-November, you know, or yeah. early November when it's supposed to start. Right. I mean, it's Look, I, we all love the game. We'd like to see it be there, but only if it's safe for the players and, and, and if there are any fans. Could they play Dick in theory? Last question, Mike. Sorry. Could they could they play until like May if they had? Could we have like May Madness if sure. that's what it took? Uh, yeah, I think so. But then you'd be running into TV schedules. I sure. mean, look, C- CBS doesn't want the NCAA tournament on a Sunday where they have the Masters, right? right? We understand all that. So yeah, TV would make a lot of that determination on how that plays out. And they can't afford to not have another NCAA tournament. They no, can't. They, they can not miss, yeah, or the NCAA doesn't. The exist. NCAA is an organization. Is that that's the bigger problem? The schools could survive. Certainly, the football schools could survive. Right. But yeah, the NCAA has to have a men's basketball tournament. Dick Girardi, who we found out in this phone call, is a friend of Ken Rosenthal's. Who's just texting They're, Rosenthal friendly with him for years. I, who isn't Dick a friend of? Exactly. <laughs> Let's be realistic here. Kenny used to, one of his first jobs was at the Courier, Courier Post. Post. That's right. Yeah, that's, where, that's where I met him. He was covering you know, harness. I've been thinking about trying to get Rosenthal on. Now I know I have a connection. So. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he just said harness racing. He that's was true. covering harness racing. That's true. State. Over Penn Garden Grant. State Park. Yeah, Kenny's a penguin. Now, now I go get my TV over there because that's where <laughs> the best buy is. Ken, uh, Dick, thanks a lot. Appreciate Absolutely. you doing this on short notice. Be good, boss. Dick Girardi yeah. joining us. We'll be back on Working the Beat right after these messages. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way? Yeah, thanks. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, 
The Working to Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Bee podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. Our thanks once again to both Rob Motti and Dick Girardi for joining us on on late notice, obviously. But, uh, you know, both of them, you know, Rob's points on the NFL, how difficult this is going to be. And I think, Mike, what you asked about the, the question with the cost and the idea of, you know, everyday testing to begin with, then going to every other day. Uh, you know, this is going to be a severe, severe undertaking for the NFL. And, yes, they can afford it to a degree. And that's if this if it works. Yeah. Like if the system works, which we're seeing around the country now, it's not always working. Now the NFL might be doing it a totally different way because they have the wherewithal to do it. Um, but the funny thing is, I, I'm amazed, Kevin, how people just thought it would be easy. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, the sports are going to come back. They'll figure it out. It's not easy. It's very hard because of everything that's happening in the country, and it's just. You know, people who say, and there's a big divide in the country, people who think the pandemic is really serious and should be dealt with a different way, people who say, oh, no, it's not. It's it. Think about all these athletes who are trying to come back. These are the fittest people probably in America, or some of them. They're 30 years old. They're in their late 20s, early 30s. They're all in pretty good shape, you would think. They're worried. You know, football players are worried. Basketball players are worried. You see them. Well, if they're worried, I think we should be worried, you know, and, and maybe their fears are um, maybe they won't turn out to be correct. You know, we hope so. We, we all hope that's the case. But until there's a vaccine and we're seeing good news, you know, we're seeing hopeful signs of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but until there is, there's really no flawless way of saying it. And I'm saying, which until a LeBron James has to miss two weeks, which you hope never happens, or Joel Embiid, or or, or a Patrick Mahomes, or, or you go on and on and on with whoever your athletes are. You know, when that hits, or, or, or like Bruce Arians gets sick, let's say, you know, sake of argument, that's when the fit's going to hit the shan, and then we're going to have to say, okay, when is enough enough to stop it? Or to or to hold it for a while. Well, and I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. And, um, and you mentioned the one thing that that, and Rob mentioned it too. You know, the NFL is so tied in with betting, okay, oh, and, and gambling and, and everything. And if you have players who suddenly disappear 24, 48 hours beforehand, watch what those lines do. If Patrick Mahomes is out, if Carson Wentz is out, if Dak Prescott or, or Ezekiel Elliott's out. I mean, you're talking about, hang on, baby. It's going to be a really, really bumpy ride. The the one thing that could throw a big monkey wrench into this, especially now that the NFL is kind of partnering with betting people, Mm -hmm. whatever, is if Vegas starts losing money. Oh, yeah. Because that don't happen. No. Okay, Vegas don't lose money. So let's say, sake of argument, the Eagles are a, uh, uh, what's the first week? Let's say they're a seven-point favorite. They're playing the Redskins. 
Okay. Or Washington. Washington wins. So people early in the week bet one side of it, whatever side they bet. On Thursday, Carson Wentz tests positive, and now Jalen Hurts is going to play. Well, that line's going to move a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know what's, but you know, maybe the Eagles will be a three-point favorite or whatever they would be. Well, people are going to try to middle those things, and sometimes they will, which means Vegas won't collect on anything. No. And then you have the bets for the season. You know, how many games are the Eagles going to win, or how many games are the Cowboys going to win, or whatever. And yeah, the the betting Kevin could get could get nauseating. Really you don't have to do it. At some point, we're going to have to have Eddie Barkowitz on, my guy. Because mm-hmm. Eddie will, I mean, he deals with this a lot, or, or anybody. But I'm saying, you are exactly right. That, and that's nothing that we, and, and I'm convinced that a lot of sports coming back has to do with people betting. Mm-hmm. They, they, they want to bet. Obviously, football is a big bet, but the NBA is right there. You know, maybe not so much the NHL and the and baseball, but they're going to bet that too. Um, it's going to, it's going to, or what, let's say you bet the Phillies at nine o'clock in the morning because Noah's pitching. And at four o'clock, you get scratched. Noah ain't pitching. Yeah, he doesn't pass his <laughs> protocol. And, and they're pitching Pavetta. <laughs> you know, it's like, and please, please don't tell me Vinny Velasquez is going to be like their third starter. Please, Kevin, tell me, tell me, tell me. Come on. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what, they're they're making it interesting because they're not exactly giving Arietta like the No the third spot or starting spot at all. It's almost I like, mean P- P- Velasquez looked decent last night, right? Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is that they want to keep Spencer Howard up here. And they're worried about him down for those first five well, games. I mean after the first five games. That okay, okay, they'll, they'll do their little Tap dance right. around everything. Maybe run a bullpen game or something. Right. They figure Howard's better on the rotation and that they're so worried about their middle relief at this point that maybe you put Arietta back there just because you're going to need more length out of your middle relievers than you have. Can he right do now. that, though? Is, is he up for that role? I, it would, I don't know. I, you know, I, the only thing I could, that's the only thing I could think of that they're trying to do. I mean, I because mean, there's so much people, uncertainty about what, how long Wheeler's going to be going because of his wife going and, and, and giving birth. Right. Um, there's concern about Eflin with his back. Um, right. But would Howard be more suited to that middle relief thing or no? He, you, you just no, no. I'm in. saying I would start Howard as a starter. Right. That's, that's they what project I'm him long term. Right. So maybe they feel like, hey, you know, this is the difference when it's having a manager that you sure. has pedigree. That he could, sure. him and Brian Price could do this and get away with it and get Jake Arrieta to go. All right, maybe I'm willing to go along with this for right now in this special circumstance. That's all. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, Kevin, I don't know. You, you have a better feel for the film. You're not going to a six man rotation. I know that. No, um, I mean, and and the other thing is, like you said, with all these questions, which they, I mean, Noah's got to be a stud. I mean, Noah has to be a guy who's. He's going to get what eleven or twelve start, twelve starts maybe. Yeah, um, you know he's got to you know get you eight wins. You know he he's got he's got to be that guy because if he's not real good, if he's if he's average, then then you got problems. You know, no matter how good your lineup might hit. Um, yeah, I was it's funny, Kevin. I've been kind of following a little bit, but not a lot. I think if I was a betting guy early in the season, I would bet the unders on the runs. Because it seems to me that everybody's behind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although I'm sure the bookies will factor that in. They're not stupid. Um, 
But, yeah, it just seems like nobody's hitting the ball very well, but that's probably to be expected. And it's strange because at this time of year, usually July, you know the ball flies. Because oh, yeah. In everywhere. Um, this is Charlie Manuel's time, right? It's hitting season. That's right. It's, not, it's hitting season. It's hitting season. <laughs> Never with a G. It's always hitting. Hitting. Uh, <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, I agree with you. I, I would take the under on a ton of games early here. Um Unless they adjust, Unless I mean, they, they adjust. might, they might, yeah, they might make adjustments. I don't know. I, I got a sample last night. This is how sick I am. Uh, I watched part of the Padres Angels exhibition game. Yeah, and the tenth inning rule came in. Yeah, you will hate it. You oh, are I, going I, to hate it. No, I already hate it because you will hate it ten times year, more after you say it. If they even tr- no, I know what it's a it's a gimmick. I don't. I am not a gimmick person. I don't like gimmicks, even if it means my game goes fifteen minutes longer. That's the price I pay. But this putting a run, it, it's not baseball. No, it's not. It's not baseball. And the one thing I think with the Phillies with having Joe Girardi, I think they'll handle it better than some teams. Now, look, sixty game season. I don't know. Maybe they play seven, eight extra inning games. I I don't know this. Um. But he's already talking about sacrifice bunting the guy to third, which is the percentage play. Um, but nobody can bunt, which which is all. And you might have your cleanup hitter up at the plate. But whenever they whenever anybody talks about a gimmick, even in a season like this where you can try them, yeah, I, I just don't want. I want baseball. Yeah, I want baseball. If the game goes seventeen innings, so be it. And Mitch Williams knocks in the winning run at four in the morning. That's a game we still talk about. Yeah, Mike. 27 years after it happened. <laughs> you know, um, <sighs> that's baseball. That's just the you way. I, and and that's my fear. My fear is that, look, I have my questions whether the season is going to really matter at all or anything, but it's just good to see it back. And by the it's way, it's going to matter. Somebody's going to win a championship if they play it out. Um, But think about this, Kevin. Game seven of the World Series. Okay, or game five of the or game seven of the LCS, and it goes extra innings. Well, yeah, but it's are go- you kidding me? Well, hold on, wait a minute. In the postseason, they're going back to the regular rules. Well, that's even stupider. So you're going to play a season under a different set of rules than you play the postseason. Yeah, pretty much. Well, the that's- N- Mike, the NHL does it with overtime. Yeah, well, yeah, but the premise there is that you can't have hockey players. You know, it's like soccer. Like, I always argued that they just should just play soccer matches until somebody wins. And then somebody made the argument to me, but, Mike, after 120 minutes, they're going to start dropping over. And I'm like, oh, okay, I, I, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I mean the, the four overtime. I, I think during the regular season, you can't have teams playing, you know, four overtimes and getting on a plane to go to somewhere. Calgary well, maybe in a bubble. Night. Maybe in a – yeah, like maybe in a bubble you could. Mm-hmm. Um but, I, you know, hey, look, it, they're going to do what they're going to do. We're going to have baseball. It's better than not having baseball. I hope we're going to have the whole season, and I agree with you. I am i don't know if it's going to happen. I, I, you know, they're going to try to make it happen. I think um, of all of them, you know, we heard Rob and we heard uh, Dick say that the NBA or, or whatever, you know, how difficult or but how certain bubbles are set up. I think baseball is the one that's designed to fail at this point because of the track. Well, football is going to be the same, though. I mean, it is, you're, but, it, you're but it's not, it's not as hop skippity. You know what I mean? Like you right, go to one city, 
Yeah, yep. but you got more people involved, though. Yeah. You got way more people involved. Uh, whereas baseball, it's interesting. They, they don't the sweat three on cities each other. a week, though. Yeah, but they don't. They don't sweat on each other for. And I, I've noticed a lot of these guys wearing masks. Yeah, which surprises me a little because I thought guys say I, I can't see football players wearing masks. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I don't see basketball or hockey players wearing masks, but I think there's going to be some baseball players. They're, they're, I, I'm surprised the catchers won't wear, want to wear a mask, but maybe it's too much. Yeah, with, with the face guard with the on, face and guard and everything, it may be too much. Right. Speaking of baseball. Um, last night, Gabe Kapler in the uh, Giants exhibition game in Oakland became the first manager to take a knee. Uh, a decent number of baseball players taking a knee, and I'll make this argument: in, in the previous po- uh, in the previous protest three years ago, there was only one a backup catcher for the uh, A's who decided to take a knee. Uh, the fact that you're having more African American players who are taking knees, who are becoming uh, well, not just African-Americans, more baseball players, period, who are becoming mm-hmm. more demonstrative um, it is a sign of how much this has changed and how everything has changed with this. And, whole world's changed. And in the last two in the last two months, the whole world's changed. It, it will be interesting to see if baseball, one of the most conservative sports, you know, Rob talked about the idea that there was a little bit of friction in the Eagle locker room over the White House visit. Um, it'll be interesting to see because baseball clubhouses tend to have a lot more conservative mindsets than mm-hmm. other clubhouses. And it will be interesting to see if that plays out as well, the year goes any, along. Any clubhouse you have, I don't care what sport it is, what you're going to have different constituencies. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it goes. Um, the only thing I can think of that's like pretty singular is the PGA golf tour. Most golfers, I think, are Republican. They, they tend to think that way. They, they have it's more money. It's the country money. club set, yeah. It's a country club, right. But what I think is is not the thing we should be watching. It's not how many – and that catcher, by the way, that you mentioned, I think he's now in Mexico. He moved – Yeah. There's, there's a whole story about him that he felt he was, like, you know, hated upon or whatever for what he did. It's not how many African-American players take a knee or even Hispanic players or minorities. White. Let's put it that uh, way. I think it's how many white people – will follow suit like when the Eagles um you would have had Howie Long's son would have done it um, um or he did it I, I guess he did it I, I'm trying to remember he didn't take a knee he had the, he had the the hand the, the okay the, he what I follow think Malcolm see, Jenkins uh, the leave. two sports where you're going to see it obviously more is the NFL and the NBA I think mm-hmm. that that would make the most sense and they probably have the highest collection of African American players. Of the of the major sports, but I think you're going to see it in base. What did you think of, of Gabe doing that? What what was your thought? Um, it didn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think it was a good thing or, or not a good thing? Well, or? I mean, he he's entitled to do it. I mean, he's entitled right, okay. to do it. Um, you know, if if he feels that way, good for him. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm parsing my words a little bit, only in the sense of. One of Gabe's issues in the past, I think, to some people, has been sincerity. Okay, um, I hear you. And whether he does uh, says stuff or does stuff for attention, mm-hmm. um, I want to believe he didn't do that for attention last night. That he honestly okay. believes it. And, and, okay. And, and, and you know, knowing the way he views the world a little bit, um, you know, just from my interactions and it's not what it used to be when I was full time on the beat, but 
and you interact mm-hmm. enough with the guy. I believe he he believes that. Um, mm-hmm. But I can also see where there's probably in some offices around baseball that I uh, people who will question that, and that, well, that's is, not fair. But that's the way it is. Right. I mean, we're like two months into this Black Lives Matters. Okay, I think it's well, been about two months. six years. No, no, no. Right, but, what I'm saying since since the death of George sure, Floyd, since it's, George it's been what, two months, a month and a half. June, two months. July. Memorial okay. Day weekend than now. I think what you're going to start seeing in this country now is backlash the other way. Because I've been reading some stories about that like people are like, it's almost like, and this is what happens. You have a movement, people come out, they protest, they do whatever, and then there's people that put their hands up and say, whoa, enough. Like, like yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to say right or wrong here. I'm just saying I think no, that's... And I, there, I, will I think be a gra- there will be a grass by some people to diminish this. Uh, yes. And, and I, I think that's what you're trying to say, that there are going to be pu- yeah. there's going to be pushback from people trying to diminish it. I right. think the momentum, though, has been so clearly drawn. And yeah. And, and I think that that, look, it, it's going to become a political issue because one side wants to make it a political issue. And, it's an, and there's an election in, in three and a half months. In three and a half months. Yeah, that's the, why. The that's question why I was is where we're at at the end of the three and a half months, mm-hmm. that will ultimately determine where this goes. But, but let's say you have a, a team of 25 players, okay? Mm-hmm. And like you said, baseball, a conservative sport. And you have half the team or 15 members of the team are for the Black Lives Matters, you know? But then you have 10 or 12 guys that really are totally dead set against it, which they may be. I don't, I don't know if they'll ever come out and say they're against it, but what they will be is passive. They will right. be passive, and, and they worse, will be, yeah, and yeah. that and that could be a problem, and yeah. so it's going to be interesting to see how clubhouses react. I am totally do you, with. Do you it. think? Do you think like on a team like the Phillies? And I know you don't know Joe Girardi great because yeah, but but is that a manager's job at some point to kind of get into that, or is that the player's job to get into that and handle that? Both. Okay. Um, you have to have a manager who gets sense if it's going out of control, right? But in the end, look, the most important person in that clubhouse, there's two. The two most important people in that clubhouse this year are going to be Andrew McCutcheon and Bryce Harper. And what those two say, Harper because, I mean, look, they're both MVPs. Harper because he is going to be here for 12 more years. Okay. And McCutcheon because he's a veteran respected mm-hmm. consistent performer. Right. And that will resonate. And okay. look, there were I don't worry I would not worry about this clubhouse as much as I would other clubhouses. There were a couple mm-hmm. clubhouses in the mid twenty tens that if this had taken place, it would have been brutal. Because of the personalities involved. I'm not going to get in the names, but... Well, those teams stunk anyway, so... Yeah, teams that stunk and people who were bad people. Yeah. This seems like a group of good people. So, I think they'll they'll be fine. You know where I think this is really going to have... It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out too, Kevin, is at the college level. And we may not see it for a while, but you're dealing with 19, 20-year-old kids who are very impressionable, Mm -hmm. and yet you're at a college level where... You know, does a Nick Saban say to his team, hey, we can't let this get in the way of us trying to win a national title? Or does he say, hey, I realize I have a lot of African-Americans on my team. I have a lot of white players who think it's important. You know, however, 
because you know what happens if if make a statement uh or or like jay wright you know villanova i mean maybe some of his players come up to him and say hey coach we really feel strongly about this we don't want to be a distraction but we'd like to wear a, a black lives matters t-shirt or something before a game and, and i don't know how that's going to play out at the college level but in a lot of ways what this is affecting is the younger people because it's going to be their world it ain't going to be my world you know they're they're going to grow up in this world 20 years from now 30 years from now I think that's going to be interesting to see how different coaches and different universities handle that. No, I agree. By the way, since I since you brought this up, and you brought up Alabama, and this is a totally different topic, and so I'm going to switch topics. Um, we talk often about the cost on college football and how you have to play because of money, right? Alabama revealed their training facility yesterday, massively revamp, revamped and everything. Is it better than Temple's? Uh, surprisingly, yes. They have two hydro pools that players can use in a lounge mm-hmm. setting with televisions and everything around. Mm-hmm. Every every football player has a recliner in his locker. His locker has his face on it, mm-hmm. like built in, like onto the door. Mm-hmm. Um, like it is just go to Alabama. If you're on Twitter, go to the Alabama football website and they show it. It is just an example of the excess that goes on. You know, if some of you have seen like the Clemson, uh, facility and all that. And this leads me to another topic that there was a report yesterday or there was a report last week on ESPN about college coaches taking pay cuts at a time when the rest of I saw, yeah, you I saw, saw it. and Dabo Sweeney was one who didn't take a pay cut. I think Nick Saban mm-hmm. did not take a pay cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, you looked at college basketball. I think Bill, uh, uh, was a Calipari did not pay, take a pay cut. Yes. They mentioned like Jay, they didn't report Jay, but Jay's under, since Jay's at a private school, it doesn't have to be reported quite as uh, easily. Um, Mm -hmm. It is kind of disturbing that at a time when universities are really making some hard economic decisions to see stuff like this. Well, there's no rule that says you have to take a pay cut, Kevin. I mean, no, I I, I get that. If we went across America, I know a lot of people have taken pay. A lot of organizations, they've asked employees to take pay cuts. I, I get all that. I'm not going to vilify somebody if they didn't. I'd, I'd like to hear the reason why. You know, if they didn't, you, you know, um, Dabo could say, hey, we've won two of the last four national titles. Um, you know, we bring in a lot of money for the university. I'm responsible for 100 kids um, and, and a whole fan base and a whole culture. I, I don't know because I, I don't know what his reasons were or what the reasons were that guys took pay cuts. And if they did, I'm guessing it's a 10% pay cut. So if you're making – $7 million a year, you know, we're talking $700,000, which isn't going to break the bank. Or and So I don't know. Which I, I could don't know save re- somebody else's job. Yeah, but. Could yeah, save multiple I, people's jobs. Yeah, but, but I could make the same argument that if a guy was a CEO of some major company and was making $40 million a year and he had, hey, you could take a pay cut and make $30 million a year and you'd still be very, 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 very rich and save 100 people that might not get, you know, we could say that about, that's America. 
you know, that, that's always the argument in America is who makes too much money and, you know, could they help the people under them that are making less? I, you know, look, the most important man in Alabama is Nick Saban, right? The most important man in Ohio, in Ohio was Urban Meyer. That, you can make that argument in about 10 states in this country. Sure. So I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I mean, I agree with you in principle. That, that, and, but that should have been something where Alabama should want the Nick Saban and say, hey, Nick, it'd really look good if you – now, maybe Alabama didn't ask him to take a pay cut. No, maybe not. I, I don't know. But if, like, Alabama comes out with a story next week saying that they had to let 15 professors go, even though those professors might not have anything to do with Nick Saban, it may be a totally different budget. It may be whatever it is. But remember the guest we had on about a month ago who was just telling us about how much these like David Hale, he was citing, David Hale from yeah, he was citing a couple of examples. It's of course it's absurd, but I'll bet you if we went up into the layers of American business oh, and saw how absurd that is, but oh, again, that's not a that's not a college university though that people are paying tuition to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, look, it, you know, it, it's the whole world as we're now finding out. If we didn't know it already, but we're really finding out. We have created a, a world where football makes university makes like a hundred universities go or not go. You, you know, and that's scary. When mm-hmm. when you really think about it, it's scary that Penn State is reliant on football to be Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State and, and that that to me is a frightening thought. But how do you go back? Like like yeah, what what how do we turn back? I I, I don't know. Uh, by the way, here a- here on football, here are the coaches that haven't taken a pink cut according to ESPN. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo P- Fisher's making $7.5 million. Yeah, you got a big contract at Texas A&M. Are you kidding me? Kirby Smart, Gus Malzahn, Tom Herman, J- Jeff Brom at Purdue. He's making $6.6 million Yeah. At Purdue. What's Jeff Brom done? Exactly. Dan Mullen. He won, he won 10 games at Louisville. Dan Mullen's making $6.1 Dabo's making 9.3, by the way. Making more than Saban. I, when I was writing my football column, when I still have my football column, and I said one year, it must have been Nick Saban's third or fourth year, I don't know what it was. I said, whatever they're paying Nick Saban, they're not paying him enough. Right. Because everybody went off about the contract they gave Nick Saban. It was, oh, my God. He, said, he won, like, two national championships his first four years. I said, they're not paying him enough. Clemson can't pay Dabo Swinney enough. Jim Jim Harbaugh and Lincoln Riley have taken pay cuts. We should point out. Good for them. I I, like, but like I said, I I would have to hear the reasons. I want a couple quotes from Dabo Swinney on why he hasn't, right? Or from John Calipari on why he hasn't. Maybe it makes sense. All right, you know. Let me go basketball. You ready? Calipari, eight point two million. Yeah. McCrone uh, did not take a pay cut. These guys, these five guys, have not taken a pay cut. Calipari, Mick Cronin, 5.5. Rick Barnes, 4.7. Chris Beard, 4.4. Roy Williams, 4.1. Have not taken I would say I would say Roy's underpaid. I would say Roy's underpaid, and that's what I was actually going to get. But yeah, Roy didn't have a good year last year, yeah. but um, you know, I was thinking about this today, Kevin, something this has totally nothing to do with when I was doing my little hour walker. Jay Wright, if I was UCLA. Mm-hmm. I would have went after Jay Wright with everything I had. Yeah. Mick Cronin is not – who's the coach at UCLA now? Mick Cronin, 5.5 5 million. Right. 
And who, where did the TCU coach go? Um, he went somewhere too. Was it USC? Um, the guy who was a pit, Jamie, didn't he leave T- TCU? That uh, I don't know. Okay. But all I'm saying is Jay Wright would, would be huge in LA. Now, Jay might not have went. You know, Jay, Jay might say, I'm not going. Jay Wright and UCLA are perfect. If he wasn't going to coach at Villanova. You Here, know? Here's what I don't get, okay? Calipari, 8.2. I get it. Kentucky's budget's based around basketball. So I get that, okay? Like, Rick Barnes, 4.7 in Tennessee? Really? But but they had to hire him. That that. So let's say he was making, I don't know where, where was he before there? Uh, Texas? No. Yeah, he was at Texas. Right. So he might have been making 3.3 at Texas. Well, you got to give him a raise. You're not. You're not going to get him away from Texas unless you give all the every, all those guys you just named for the most part have signed contracts in the last year or two, except for uh, Roy. Right. So that's and that's why they're making that. So when the next set of hires comes about, you, you know, this year, next year, those guys will probably be making more money. And Cal, you know, I, I mean, I, I got to believe like a guy like Bill Self makes pretty good money. I right? actually, I have Bill on this next list. You ready? How much? All right. Uh, have taken pay cuts. Shashevsky at seven point three million. Yeah, he deserves every penny. Penny of it. Tom Izzo four point two. Tom should probably be making a little bit more, but okay, that's enough. Chris Mack four point one. That's a lot. He took a pay cut as well. Bill Self four million. Yeah. Where's Chris Mack at? Louisville. Louisville. That's what I thought. Right. He. I always did like. But yeah. All those big schools are going to – they have to pay money to get the guys they want, whether they're the right guy or not. I mean – Do you know what you know, do you know what Jay salary is? I don't – I think I have a pretty good idea that – now, I don't know if this is his salary per se or everything, but I would guess it's it's close to four. 4.4 is what yeah. they listed. Now, is that the salary or is that everything? 2019-20 pay is all it's listed. Wow. See, I include salaries, income from contract provisions, and yeah. deferred payments. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because I can't believe Villanova's paying him quite that much, although they're probably paying him a pretty good amount. You know, and look, he's won two national titles. Yeah. He should be getting that. I mean, oh, they, I don't. Jay Wright. Jay, the no, Jay, Jay Wright. Jay Wright's is, paid under a million less than Mick Cronin. Come on. Yeah, that's because that's cause Mick Cronin just signed a deal. I understand. That, if Jay Wright went next year and left Villanova, what do you think Jay Wright would make? Seven? Yeah, probably. Okay. And if he went to the NBA, he would probably make nine or ten. Yeah, he would. But he's chosen not to because he's one of these guys that says, hey, I'm making 4.4. I love it in Villanova. My wife loves it in Philly. I'm pretty good. We can but go to the shore. Yes, but not everybody, and I respect Jay for being what Jay is, but I also respect the guy that says, hey, you know, I want to go to Louisville and make uh, five or, or whatever. Uh, that's what that business is about. You don't get a lot of Roy Williams, you know, basically he's coached at two places or, you know, got Bill Self's been at Kansas for, you know, almost 20 years. Um, you just don't get a lot of those guys and. Um, Villain, the best thing to ever happen to Villanova, and Raleigh was a good thing too. Don't get me wrong, well, Jay Raleigh, Wright. Hey, Jay Wright, and it ain't even close. No. I mean, what he does for that university, and forget the two titles. The two titles are great, 
But if he never won a title and they just made a couple Final Fours or something, the, the, the personality, his personality, the way he handles himself for a university that was largely hated yep. by most of Philadelphia when Raleigh was there because they were Villanova out on the main line, now a lot of people like him. Or not like him, but because of Jay, they're willing to say, hey, they're not too bad. <laughs> uh, by the way, when you were at Temple, did you have anything with your picture etched in it? What do you mean my picture etched in it? Like the like the Alabama lockers all have like your pictures etched in the locker. Okay, uh, maybe on the, the street corner, 13th and North, somebody might have. No, it, it's, it's. But, you know, that it, look, it's all a recruiting tool now. It Kevin. Is. They bring, the, they bring is. the kid in there now and they point to the thing and say, that that's you. That's yeah. you next year sitting next to Jalen Hurts, you know, or, or whatever they do. Uh, it's an arms race. You know that. Oh, I know. We've doesn't, known that for doesn't make it right. The, oh, nobody's doesn't ever said it made it, it right. right. But do you think it's going to stop? Let's say. Well, if the funds dry up eventually, yes, it will. No, they don't. Yeah, but let's say they don't play college football this year. For whatever reasons, they don't play college football. Do you think the funds are going to dry up? No, because when we get a vaccine and it comes back, people will be even more into, I got to have Alabama-Auburn. And, and some TV network will throw even more money on the table and they'll expand the playoff to eight teams and life goes on. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, you know. By the way, I should uh, point this out. My former uh, conference, the Colonial State Athletic Conference, has just suspended its fall season. So Let me ask you a question. Who hasn't suspended their fall season? Do you know, in D3, oh. in D3 I think it's uh, somebody was telling me, like 17 out of 34 conferences, 35 conferences. Right. So, so you couldn't, if we have an NCAA tournament, you won't even have an NCAA tournament like we think. Oh, no, no, no. You, cause most of the schools you're talking about are D2, D3, D3 right? Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. But I'm saying there's going to be a lot. I think there's going to be even more conferences. That oh, are I, going to I agree of, because the, the testing is too expensive under the NCAA mandate. Yeah. Unless, unless you can... Any league that is not making money, there's no reason to play. Yeah. So why would you risk a kid getting sick, risk a coach getting sick, risk a lawsuit? Um, you know, I mean, like, look, I feel horrible that Swarthmore last year was in like the D three semifinals or quarterfinals or whatever, and couldn't try to finish off a great season. Yes, I, I feel badly that Dayton didn't get a chance to prove itself in the tournament. Or the Kansas didn't get a chance, to, or the Villanova didn't get a chance to see, you know, how far they could have gone. But it, it's just the reality of the life. And when pro leagues are having this tough of a time, yeah, getting going with all the wherewithal they have at their disposal. Um, you you brought up a great point, Kevin. Let's say Villanova. Let's say basketball starts on January first, just for sake of argument. Is yeah. Villanova going to test every other day? No. Are they going to be able to afford to test every other day? Yeah. No. That's the problem. And then that's how why. can you play? You can't. Okay. So, all right. So, on Thursday, Thursday at 7, I believe, Mr. Kern, just for your own personal planning, uh, Jason Martitas will join us. We'll talk the NHL's reboot. So, we've gotten to talk the, pucks. We'll talk pucks. Uh, so we've gotten the NBA today with Mr. Girardi. We got the uh, MLB with Matt Gelb last week. And obviously we talked the NFL today with um, Rob Motti. Next Monday, Monday, 
we will be talking to Ross Tucker uh, from um, the Eagles Television Network, uh, also from Westwood One's radio coverage of the National Football League. Yeah, you know what's interesting, Kevin? To leave you with a final thought. You know, I think a lot of people have been talking about the Sixers, talking about the Phillies. I get it. Mm-hmm. Flyers have become like under the radar. I mean, they get written about. You know, they're a kid. And yet they're the team that was really playing well when, when this happened. And they may be the most dangerous coming back. They may be. Or they may not. You know, they, they, they may come back and lose in the first round because they lost their mojo and, and right. you know, they're still a young team. But, I mean, it's amazing that they were playing so well and almost everybody had them as a dark horse to do some damage. Yep. And – I think it's going to be almost more fa- – and, and I know there's a lot of – I'm going to be fascinated to watch the Sixers to see because I agree with almost everything you say about the Sixers. I don't expect them to do anything, but they could. They could. But the Flyers, man, I mean, like – and they were kind of like a fun team to watch, yeah. whereas the Sixers really weren't a fun team to watch. No. Um, so we'll see. All right, Mr. Kern, see you on Thursday. Okay, babe. Our thanks to Dick Dr- Our thanks to Rob Motti. Our thanks to you for listening. See you Thursday on We're Gonna Be. Well, you went.